Welcome and thanks for tuning in to our podcast. My name is Donovan, my wife Jessica and I are the lead pastors here at Destiny Church Praha. We know that today's message will bless and encourage you because the Bible tells us that the Word of God is alive and active. If you want to connect in with us, be sure to subscribe to this podcast, follow us on social media or visit our website at destinypraha.com. Let's get into the Word. I was just worshipping this morning and I was reminded that when I was 14, um, <laughs> a, lady, um, a, a lady who's a prophet, she went to my parents and she said to them, do you have a daughter? And they said, yes, we have a daughter. I wasn't with them at the time. And she, they, she said, oh, okay. Yeah, God just told me that one day your daughter is going to be speaking to the nations. And that was when I was 14, <laughs> and I'm standing here now, 17 years later, in front of 20 nationalities in this room, and I just want to say, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's not about me. I was just reminded just how faithful God is to see His promises through, and it took 17 years for that promise to come to pass, and I want to encourage you, the things you're feeling in your spirit now, the promises that He's spoken over you they're going to come to pass because that's who he is. And it might not look the way you think it's going to look. I never thought I'd be standing here preaching in the front of a church, but here I am. And God's going to do something special in this room this morning. One thing that has marked my life, one thing that I'm so passionate about is seeing people set free. My favorite character in the Bible is Moses. Because he led the people and he was so underqualified. He had a stutter. People never understood him. He was just, he, he didn't have a mother in his sense. His mother had sent him down the river. He was raised by the palace. Just everything didn't seem like it was lining up for him to be the one who would see a nation set free, who would lead that nation. But his heart burned for God. And his heart was just to see See, God's will prevail, and that was him leading the Israelites into freedom. That's not what I'm preaching about today, but what I want you to know is I have a heart to see people set free. That is like the one thing. When I lead worship, when I preach, when I meet with people, my heart is to see people set free from things that are holding them back from experiencing the fullness of God, whether that is mindsets that you have, whether that's lies that you're caught up in, whether that's bondage, whatever it is. And that is what I'm going to be preaching on this morning. I'm going to be preaching on truth and lies. And this word has been burning in my heart this whole week. It has been weighing on me because I know that God is going to do something powerful in this place this morning. Amen? Okay, so we're doing a series called Mind Games. And previously I spoke on the first part was shame and separation. And this morning, I'm going to be speaking on truth and lies, and Donovan's going to be following by preaching on, is it faith and doubt? I think it is. I can't remember. I, I created this series, but I can't remember. And then I'm going to be preaching on condemnation and conviction. So it's going to be good. But I spoke last time on shame and separation, and I just want to quickly recap that for those who missed that. And we spoke about how... We spoke about how I think the world is so flooded with information at the moment. It is so flooded with, 
with things, and I think it's so easy for us as believers, and this is why this whole series came about, is because it's so easy for us to walk through seasons feeling disconnected from God and think that it's just okay. Donovan knows his favorite Christian word is season. We just slap the sticker season on it and we think it's okay. Like I'm feeling super far from God, but it's just a season. Like God hasn't spoken to me in four months, but it's just a season. You know, and it's true. The word says that there are seasons for everything, 100%, but not seasons from being out of communion with God. That's the truth, right? So that what I looked at was in Genesis 3, was when the enemy first stepped in and he brought separation by asking Eve three questions that caused her to doubt everything that she knew. It caused her to question everything she believed in. And we said that at the end of Genesis 2, we see Adam and Eve created for communion with God. And the chapter ends and it says, they felt no shame. Then the enemy steps in, asks Eve three questions, deceives her, tempts her, she sins, she's in shame. And God comes to find them and he's like, what are you doing? And they're trying to cover themselves up. Because all of a sudden the enemy has tricked them into believing that they are not who they were created to be. And they're trying to cover themselves up with fig leaves and they felt shame. What is shame? Shame is the painful emotion that is caused by a consciousness of guilt, of failure, impropriety that often results in the paralyzing conviction or belief that you are worthless, that you are of no value to others or to God, that you are unacceptable and altogether deserving of rejection. How many of you have felt like that before? Me. Yeah, there we go. And I want to remind you that the enemy's tricks are not new because this is how it started. He is the father of lies, and this is how it started. He brought shame. And he put something on mankind that we were never created to carry. We were never created to carry shame. That is why the word says that Adam and Eve were created and they felt no shame. And then all of a sudden they did when the enemy stepped in. And even now he is playing the same tricks on us. And we label it as, it's just a feeling. I'm just feeling a little bit far from God at the moment. And I think all around us, we're being flooded with lies. And that's what I want to speak about this morning. The same three questions that he asked Eve, he's flooding our lives, our culture, our society with those same lies. And I don't want to preach this morning about telling lies. What I want to preach about is that the lies we are believing about ourselves, about our identity, about Jesus, about the Word of God, about our faith. Because we're letting these lies in. We're letting these lies in and they're beginning to sabotage our peace. They sabotage the way we see God, the way we see others. All around us in the culture and deep within our minds, deceptive ideas that are wreaking havoc on our emotional health and spiritual well-being. Deceptive ideas about who God is, who we are, and what a godly life truly is. The devil's strategy. I love this. John Mark Homer, one of my favorite authors and preachers. He says, the devil's strategy, it's deceptive ideas that play to disordered desires that are normalized, that are normalized in a sinful society. What does that mean? It means that we're believing a lie or an illusion about our reality that's causing us to desire and pursue things that are not godly because everything is now tolerated and celebrated. 
we put a big fat sticker on it that says tolerance or diversity because we must celebrate everything. Because we've forgotten about this. We go about lives and we about our lives and we believe the lies that we're being fed. We don't want to offend people. We want to try and accept everybody's opinion. We want to be tolerable. We want to be accepting. We become curious, experimental. Maybe if I just try a little bit of this. Maybe if I listen to this singer, but I only listen to some of their songs, Donovan. You know, I'm going to watch this TV series, but I'm just going to skip over that part. I'm just going to try a little bit of weed because it's not a hard drug. I'm just going to try a little bit. Paul tells us, 2 Corinthians 11:14, that the devil masquerades as an angel of light. So that what he says and what he does sounds quite good and reasonable. Because he, he masquerades around like an angel of light. Because let me tell you two things about the devil's lies. Number one, they will always be mostly true. They will be 98% true because that's what he does. Just like when he spoke to Eve. They'll be mostly true, but that's how he gets you, right? Then his lies will always be one-sided. How many of you have ever been on Instagram and you go to that, I don't even know what it's called, you click on that the second button at the bottom, and you just get that random feed. You re- Explore page, yeah, yeah, yeah. And you basically don't realize that you are being played by Instagram, and they're tracking your algorithms, and they're feeding you things that you like and that you believe in. So you have a specific view on something, and you're scrolling there. This is just an example, Instagram. And you think, you see, everybody believes what I believe. Everybody believes the same political view. Everybody believes this. I'm scrolling. Donovan, I'm scrolling, and everybody thinks the way we do about this. This is a mess. Because things are often one-sided. So this morning, my happy, encouraging message to you is that just because you know Jesus does not mean that you are immune to the lies. It is possible to believe in Jesus and to not be a disciple. Did you know that? It's possible to believe in him and to not be a follower of him. It's possible to believe Jesus and to not know the truth. Don't believe me? Let's read some scriptures. John 8, verse 31 to 32. To the Jews who had believed in him, Jesus said, If you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. It is possible to know Jesus and be completely bound up in lies. 1 John 1, verse 6. If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. I'm going to read that again. If we say we have fellowship with Jesus while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. It is possible to have fellowship with Jesus and not practice the truth in your everyday life. So I'm going to draw a little picture for you. I'm going to show you two scriptures in the Bible, John 8 and Genesis 3. Okay, I've thrown it up on the screen for those who don't know. So I'm going to read John 8 first. John 8 verse 31, and I'm going to skip around a little bit through this, but everything is on the screen and it is from the NIV version, just in case you're wondering. 
So here we see Jesus speaking to the religious leaders at the time. He says, to the Jews, I just read this, who had believed him, Jesus said, if you hold to my teachings, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. They answered him, we are Abraham's descendants and have never been slaves of anyone. How can you say that we shall be set free? Maybe that some of you here this morning. Hey, Jessica, how can you say that I can be set free from lies? I don't know what you're talking about. Let's keep reading. Verse 37, Jesus saying, I know that you are Abraham's descendants, yet you are looking for a way to kill me because you have no room for my word. I am telling you what I've seen in the Father's presence, and you are doing what you have heard from your father. Ha, Abraham is our father, they answered. Jesus, oh, now he's getting, I can see this now. Why is my language not clear to you? Because you are unable to hear what I say. You belong to your father. Oh, I hope Jesus never says this to me. This is harsh. You belong to your father, the devil. And you want to carry out your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of lies. Yet because I tell you the truth, you do not believe me. Can any of you prove me guilty of sin? If I'm telling the truth, why don't you believe me? Whoever belongs to God hears what God says. The reason you do not hear is that you do not belong to God. He is saying this to religious leaders. He's saying this to, at that point, who they thought were the most holiest of people. They knew everything. And he's saying to them, you do not belong to God. You are slaves to your father, the father of lies. Where does that come from? Genesis 3. So this is now after Eve has been deceived, tempted, sinned, fallen into shame. God enters the garden and this is what he says to her after she has sinned. This is what he says to her and to Adam. He says, I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring, this is the snake, this is the devil, okay, the snake, and between your offspring and hers, he will crush your head and you will strike his heel. Stick with me. He's speaking to the religious leaders, okay? And they believed him. They knew him, but they did not truly know him. That's what he's saying. Because this entire chapter, John 8, is the Jews questioning Jesus' testimony, the Jews questioning Jesus' identity, the Jews questioning whether he is the Messiah, right? They're questioning everything about him. And then he calls to them in the scripture, and he basically says, you are the seed of the father of lies. You are, your father is the father of lies. You are basically the seed of the snake. There are two offsprings, Eve's and the snake's. And he's saying, you are the snake. Two offsprings. Eve's would have been Abraham's lineage, which is why they said, we are of Abraham. Abraham is our father. We are of the holy lineage. And the serpent's lineage, which would have been lies and deception. Because he is the father of lies and there is no truth in him. What does the word enmity mean when he says, I will put enmity between the two offsprings? It means war and hostility. Why am I telling you this? Because since the beginning of time, there has been a battle between truth and lies. Over your life, over culture, over society, over your family, over your identity, over your, your mental health, your emotional health, your spiritual well-being. There is a battle between truth and lies. 
Jesus is saying to the religious leaders, even though you are biologically, yes, of Adam, spiritually, you're thinking like the father of lies. And because of this, just in the scripture I read in John 8, because of this, they are enslaved to deception, right? They didn't want to believe who Jesus is. They didn't want to believe who he said he was. Jesus says to them, because of this, you have no room for my word. He says, you're doing your own thing. He says, you cannot hear what I'm saying. And he's saying, you do not fully believe me. And we go back to Genesis 3, and the enemy asks Eve the same questions. First question, he said to her, did God really say that? And he casts doubt. He says, you will certainly not die. And he contradicts the word of God. He says, when God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be open and you'll be like God, he creates a counterfeit scenario. He creates something that's so close to the truth. Because that is what would have happened. But it was a 98% truth and a 2% lie. We can speak about this scenario and the religious leaders. But just reflect for a moment in your own life. The religious leaders at the time, they were, in, they were slaves to the lies. Because they didn't believe who Jesus said he was. How many of you have walked through seasons like that where you're even questioning if Jesus is who he says he is? Jesus says, you have no room for my word. Sound familiar? Got no time for this. We've all been there. He says, you're doing your own thing. How many of you are caught up being busy with your own lives and planning your own futures that you have? No room for God. He says, you cannot hear what he is saying. You cannot hear what I am saying. And Jesus says, you do not fully believe in him. This is us, guys. I'm a pastor. I've been a pastor for two years, and I can say this is the root of every single time we meet with anybody. It's one of these five things. Because this has been going on from the beginning of time. So what do we do? Because I'm not going to preach a whole sermon on the devil. That's not why I'm here. So we see Adam and Eve, they, as I said, and I want you to get this into your mind. That's why I keep saying it. They were deceived. The enemy came and he asked some questions. They were tempted. He said, try the fruit. Deceived, tempted. Eve ate the fruit. She sinned. And then shame came. So what happens? They realized Immediately, the enemy had put shame on them, something they didn't know how to, how to carry, how to process. And they, they try and do things in their own strength. So they try and find the fig leaves, right? They're trying to cover up themselves. Like maybe, maybe if we just do a little bit more of this, God will find us more acceptable. If we do a little bit of that, maybe God will finally speak to us. Maybe, you know, we try and do things with our own hands, right? And you know what God has to do to save them from their shame? He has to sacrifice an innocent animal. This is what the Bible says. An animal is sacrificed and God comes and he covers them with the skin of the animal. A sacrifice was made to rectify their place so that they would no longer be of the serpent seed, that they would remain in right standing with God, free from sin and shame and deception and temptation and sin. He had to sacrifice an animal. Blood was shed for them to be back in right standing. 
And here we have Jesus shedding his blood on the cross for us. Once again, bringing us out of sin and shame. If you want to move on from the lies, if you want to be set free from the lies, it is only through Jesus. It is through his blood. Delara said it during prayer. If you need faith this morning for your doubts, he's on the cross. Yes, he's risen again, but look at that cross. Look at that beautiful cross where he was hanging for you. The only way, yeah, it is the presence and the power of Jesus. It is his sacrifice that frees us from being enslaved by the lies and the deception of the devil. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Nicole chose that song this morning. Well done, Nicole. Without even knowing. John 14, verse 6. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. If you want to be set free from the lies that you are believing, maybe even the ones you don't know you're believing, it is only going to be through Jesus. So I just want to bring you a little bit more forward. Here we have in John 14, right, where Jesus is speaking to his disciples. Because, you know, I'm telling you now it's Jesus, right? So how blessed were the disciples that they could actually walk with Jesus and that he could teach them, this is a lie, this is the truth. This is a lie, this is the truth. But then Jesus had to go. They were so used to the power and the presence of Jesus being tangibly in front of them. But he had to go. So this is what he says to his disciples. John 14. He says to them, if you love me, obey my commandments. And he says, I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate who will never leave you. He is the Holy Spirit who leads into all truth. The world cannot receive him because it isn't looking for him and doesn't recognize him. But you know him because he lives with you and later will be in you. No, I will not abandon you as orphans. I will come to you. What is Jesus saying? I'm leaving now, so you're not going to have me to be telling you, this is the way, this is not the way. And maybe some of you are sitting here saying, how do I know what is right and wrong? What do I know? How do I know what is truth? How do I know what is lies? And he says, I will give you another advocate. Another, meaning that he was first, right? He was the first advocate. What is an advocate? It is, it's the original word is actually paraclete. It means somebody who comes alongside and presents the truth on a situation. That is what an advocate is. So he's saying, I've been alongside you. I've been your advocate and I've been showing you the truth in the situations. But I have to go now and I'm going to give you another advocate, the Holy Spirit. The advocate, that is the Holy Spirit. You know who the enemy is? The accuser. And we need to stop listening to the voice of the accuser and start listening to the advocate. So the advocate comes to present the truth for us in every single situation, to lead us, as it says, in all truth. And it says the world won't receive him because it isn't looking for him. Those who are of the seed of the serpent, they're not going to recognize him. They don't need him. It sounds exactly like when Jesus was rebuking the religious leaders. You don't hear me. You're not understanding what I'm saying. And if we are going to live in a world flooded with information, with cultural norms, with tolerance, 
we are going to need the presence and the power of Jesus. And we will need His Spirit. What is His Spirit? It's the presence and the power. You need the presence and the power of Jesus to overcome what is happening in the world today. You need it. Why? Because John 16 verse 33, Jesus saying, I have told you all these things so that in me you may have peace. Because in this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. And he is saying that I am with you. If I have overcome the world, if I have overcome the lies, you can overcome the lies. Because I'm not leaving you alone. I'm leaving you with my spirit. John 16 verse 13. It says, when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth. For he will not speak on his own authority. For whatever he hears, he will speak and he will declare to you the things that are to come. We don't need to believe the lies about our future. We don't need to fear the future. We don't need to fear our circumstances because we have the Holy Spirit leading us in truth, leading us in the way we should go. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. So the Holy Spirit is going to lead us in the right way. He's going to lead us in the way that has life, and he's going to lead us in the way that is truth. I'm going to give you a quick analogy that I loved. It says here in John 24, John 4 verse 24, it says, God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. Say in spirit and in truth. The spirit without truth has no meaning. And I'm going to give you a very practical example that I heard The presence of somebody is great, but if they're saying something, it doesn't really mean much. Let's pretend you're sitting in a hospital room and you're not doing so well and you have somebody sitting over there in a chair. And they're not saying anything, but they're just there. They're just like, right? But then you have the truth. But the truth without the presence is nothing. Nobody's lives are changed from reading Wikipedia, right? You don't read a Wikipedia article and you're like, oh, my life has changed. That Wikipedia article, all that truth. We need both the truth and we need the spirit. What is the spirit? The presence and the power. We need the presence and the power of Jesus and we need the truth. We need the presence and the power and we need the truth. Those who worship God must worship him in spirit and in truth. We need both the spirit of God And we need his truth in our lives. And our truth is always going to be the word. There is no replacement for it. Donovan preached at the Youth Praha camp on Friday. A bunch of teenagers. It was really fun. And he said to them, I can't remember the exact question, but you said something along the lines of, like, how do we, he said, how do we grow closer to God? Is that what you said to them? Yeah, like, how do we become more like God? How do we grow closer to God? You know. Somebody raises their hand, by having the right friends. And you're like, okay. And the next person, like, worshiping him with good worship music. And you're like, okay, yes. But nobody said this. Nobody said the truth of the word. And I'm telling you, you can surround yourself with the best people. And you can surround yourself with the greatest church community that you've ever had. And you can listen to... Maverick City Worship all day, and Elevation, you can do all of that stuff, 
But there is no replacement for the truth of the word of God. You must be so tired of me always saying this whenever we preach and Donovan whenever he preaches, but this is it. There is nothing else. There is no opinion piece. There is no commentary that beats this. There is no Instagram reel. There is no caption on Facebook. There is no podcast that beats this. This is the truth. And we need both the truth and the presence and the power of Jesus. One last quote. It says, it's by the spirit and the truth that we are transformed into the image of Christ and set free to live in line with all that is good in the world. And it's by isolation and lies that we are deformed into the image of Satan and enslaved in a life of evil and death. It's a heavy quote, but it's so true. It is the spirit and truth that we are transformed into the image of Christ and set free to live in line with all that is good in the world. I want to tell you something. Rejecting the world is, is biblical. The word of God reminds us that we are in the world, but we are not of it. Tolerance is not biblical. Tolerating things, celebrating things because it just seems that's what everybody else is doing is not biblical. What is biblical is what is in the Bible. The Bible is biblical. And this is what you're living your life according to. You don't need to wonder what the truth is on a situation. You have the truth. You don't need to wonder. The world hated Jesus. They hated him so much they put him on a cross. The world will reject you. If you're going to live a life of truth, which is the design that God had for you in mind when he created mankind in the garden, free from shame, we're going to need the truth. We're going to need his truth. We're going to need him. We're going to need Jesus. Can I have the worship team up? Some of you might be saying to me, or maybe some of you, and I, I felt like I needed to say this, that the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God, is a helper and he is not a hindrance. Some of you need to hear that. The Holy Spirit is a helper, he is not a hindrance. And maybe some of you have experienced the Holy Spirit in ways that have made you question a lot of things. And I think some of you are discrediting the Holy Spirit because you don't understand it. You're discrediting the power He has because you've seen some weird stuff go on. And you've disqualified yourself from living life by the Spirit because you don't understand it. And I want to speak to every single person in this room this morning and I want to remind you that the Holy Spirit is a helper. He is not a hindrance. Jesus says to his disciples there at the end, verse 17, he says, you know him, he's speaking about the advocate, he's speaking about the, the Spirit of God. So you know the Holy Spirit because he lives with you now and later will be in you. Let me explain that quickly. Can we stand? Because God told me that I needed to do this this morning. Ephesians 1, 
Stick with me just for the next five minutes. Ephesians 1 verse 13 to 14. It says, In Him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation and believed in Him. So when you gave your life to Jesus, it says, You were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is a guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of His glory. So you're saying, I don't understand this Holy Spirit thing. But I'm telling you, when you said yes to Jesus, you received the Holy Spirit. It sealed you. It covers you. It rests on you. It surrounds you. It carries you. It sustains you. It leads you. Whether you wanted it or not, it was a gift. Ephesians 4 verse 30, it says, The Holy Spirit of God has sealed you in Jesus Christ. He has sealed you. If you guys can just imagine that for a second, it's just like He has sealed you to the sacrifice of Jesus. He has sealed you to no longer walk in shame. He has stuck you together to only walk in freedom, to only walk in the life free from lies. You've been sealed with that glue. If you can just imagine that, you've been sealed with the Holy Spirit until you experience your full salvation. So even as you work out your salvation, even as you try and work out who is Jesus, what is, what is it that I've just said yes to, the Holy Spirit is there and He's like, I got you. I got you. We're going to do this. You and me. I've sealed you. You're safe. The scripture continues to say, and it says, so never grieve the Spirit of God or take for granted His holy influence in your life. When I left my apartment this morning with the kids, it was so warm outside. So I stepped out the door and it, it was just so humid. And I was like, oh, not another one of these like humid days. And I'm walking and there's not a breath of wind in the air. And I've, I do this. I'm like, oh, Eli, we need the wind to blow. Like mom's getting hot. We need the wind to blow because I'm feeling clammy. I'm feeling like I'm not comfortable. I need the wind to blow. And my spirit said, same. My spirit said, same. I need the wind to blow. And I'm reminded when Jesus said to them, Receive my spirit and he breathed on them. And I felt in my heart this morning that I wanted to pray for a fresh wind of his spirit to fill each and every one of you so that you can live a life that is led in truth, that you can follow the way, that you can be filled with life. I'm done with seasons of hiddenness from God. I'm done with that. You're not called to that. That is a lie.